that are contrary to your love. And you will separate us from them as far as the east is from the west. We're really grateful for that information. Thank you for this chance to be with this family and the privilege it is to, to be a part of it. And Lord, as we <coughs> devote now some time to thinking through your word, and in particular, thinking through your holiness together, just pray for you to just guide this conversation. And Lord, let, speak to each heart. Let us each hear from you personally what it is that we need to know about you as our God and about us as the one you love. And pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Uh, just uh, is, as this is the last Sunday for the, uh, the pictures, if, even if you don't want your picture taken, if, you wouldn't, if you'd let us, if you're willing to give us your information, just come up here and at least fill out the information, and then I'm going to draw a picture of you inside. So uh, you just, yeah, if you saw how I drew, you wouldn't be laughing at that. But, uh, uh, you know, uh, kind of a, a normal routine for me is I, I get up and I get my coffee and I sit down and, and uh, you know, we're, we're tied into these devices now. So I, I turn on my phone or, or my iPad and, and I see the news. I read the news and then spend some time with, with my God. And, and uh, news Monday morning. Could not believe it. In fact, I, when I first saw it, I thought, this has got to be wrong. You know, the 50-some people killed, over 300 at that time, 300 seriously injured at the shooting in Las Vegas. And, and then as the day progressed, it caught bits and pieces, and it, and it grew, and uh, just got more complex and perplexing, and, and just, it was a hard day. I'm sure it was for, for all of us. We just, we can't comprehend First of all, what goes in the heart of a, of a man to, to do that, to nameless people, just to shoot them down? And, and, uh, and then, then you start if you're thinking about all the families that have been impacted, and even us, us as a nation. And, and so I went to, went to bed Monday night with a heavy heart. Just the senselessness of it. And, you know, did what we all do in those situations. Like, why? You know, why, why did these things happen? And woke up uh, uh, Tuesday morning, and, and uh, I, in my own time with God, I, I've been spending time for a number of years now just working my way through the Scriptures. And so uh, I don't, you know, I kind of go from one book to the next. And right now I'm in the book of Hosea, one of the Old Testament individuals that God, Hosea was a man that God actually sent to the nation of Israel and said, uh, I want you to speak to those people for me and gave him things to, to talk with to the Israelites. And, and so I've been working our way through him, his writings right now and the things that God had told him to speak. And so as I, as I opened, I was in Hosea 11 on uh, Tuesday morning, and, and here's what I read, and it, it just for me personally was so relevant to the question that was on my heart as to why, why, why do these things happen, and, and why are we walking through this as a nation? And so here's what God told Hosea to say to the nation of Israel, who, who is also going through some horrific things for them as a nation. He says, uh, when Israel was, my only, was only a child, I loved him. I called out my son, called him out of Egypt. But when others called him, he ran off and left me. He worshipped the popular sex gods. He played at religion with toy gods. <coughs> Excuse me, still I stuck with him. I led Ephraim. Ephraim is a historical name for Israel. I, I rescued him 
from human bondage. But he never acknowledged my help. Never admitted that I was the one pulling his wagon. That I lifted him like a baby to my cheek. That I bent down to feed him. Now he wants to go back to Egypt. Go over to Syria. Anything. But return to me. Listen to these words. That's why his cities are unsafe. The murder, murder rate skyrockets and every plan to improve things falls to pieces. My people are hell-bent on leaving me. They pray to God Bell for help. He doesn't lift a finger to help them. But how can I give up on you, Ephraim? How can I turn you loose, Israel? How can I leave you to be ruined like Abma or devastated like luckless Zeboam? I can't bear to even think such thoughts. My insides churn and protest, I'm, and so I'm not going to act on my anger. I'm not going to destroy Ephraim. And why? Because I am God and not a human. I'm the Holy One, and I'm here in your very midst. We've been exploring the topic of the holiness of God now for a number of weeks together as a, as a church body. And, and we saw a few weeks ago where, as, as Isaiah, and we'll be going back and looking at Isaiah this morning, as he's caught up and, and gets a, a, a window into heaven and gets to see the throne of God, and all of a sudden he sees the angels that are there, and, and, they, and he hears this phrase. They start, they repeat, they say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And we talked about the fact that in the Hebrew language, one of the ways that that, and we do it too, that uh, you would emphasize something that was very important is you would repeat it. You'd, you'd say it. Uh, uh, and so if something was repeated twice, if a word was repeated twice, which happens quite frequently in, in Hebrew language and in the Bible, it, it would be a way of saying, you know, pay attention to this. This is, this is important. But if a phrase gets repeated three times or a word gets repeated three, to- three times in the Word of God, uh, which only happens on rare occasions. It, it's like it's saying, to neglect to hear this, you do so at your own peril, because you're going to miss something that is extremely important and will have a dramatic impact on your life, and, and in this case, your eternity. And so here it's talking about God, and, and, and the angels say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And and as we as we talked through that, we talked about the fact that what that's saying is that holiness is is a key part of who God is. It it kind of is one of the marking points of everything else about Him. God God has a holy knowledge. We talked about that, and which means His knowledge is uh, it's not like ours. We gain knowledge. Uh, as life goes on, hopefully we get smarter and, and, and our knowledge increases. God has all knowledge from the very beginning. But even more than that, our knowledge gets impacted, we talked about, by, by experiences, by good things and bad things. And, and, and sometimes life experiences, those hard things, they, they, they impact the way we think about things. So suddenly we're, we're wary of things that other people are not because of our own experience, our own knowledge, our own background. And, but God, God is not impacted. His knowledge is not impacted by those kinds of things. It's a complete knowledge. God is his, he's all-powerful, but his power is a holy power, which means he never misuses it. 
Uh, he never, uh, uh, it's always framed within the, way, uh, within the right way. He, does the right, he uses his power the right way at the right time on every single occasion. And, and God's love is a holy love, uh, which is brought out in this passage as, as he talks to these people and, and reflects on, on what. And, and he says, you know, they're, they're asking the question that we ask. He said, why? Why is this happening to us? And, and typically what happens is, uh, even people, I, I've noticed, it's interesting, even people will say, I'm not sure I even believe in God. When something like this happens in, in, in the world around us or, or in a personal level, even so they, they say they don't believe, they often will shake their fist at God. And, you know, if there is a God, then why would he allow such things? And, and that's exactly what was happening with the Israel people. They were, they were saying, God, and they believed in God, but they were saying, God, why are you allowing us to go through such horrific things? They're having a rough time as a nation, uh, a really tough place. And so they're saying, you know, why, God, why? Why are you allowing this? And, and he said, well, here's why. You, you've never acknowledged my help. You've never admitted that I'm the one that's been pulling your wagon. Now, this is the message, which is a modern translation. Uh, I lifted you up like a baby to my cheek. I bent down to feed you. Uh, he goes on, and that's why your cities are unsafe. The murder rate skyrockets. Every plan to improve things falls to pieces. My people are hell-bent in leaving me. And he says, it's not, you know, our tendency is to say, why, God, are you doing this? And what God says, no, wait a minute. My heart for you, my plan for you is your safety, your perfect protection. More than that, I want to bless you, but you pulled away from me. You, you walked out of my protection and, and my, my blessing. And, and so that's why you're walking through this. And that's what he told Hosea to let the Israelite people say, this is not... This is not because I want you to walk through this. This is because you've pulled away from what I want. And so you're walking through these, these horrendous things because of it. And, you know, it's interesting. Even the prodigal son, we watched, we studied that passage a while back. And, and he had the sense that when he recognized that life was falling apart and everything seemed to be going wrong in his life, he had the sense to suddenly say, wait a minute. If I go back to my father's house, even as a servant, I could never claim to be his son. I, I left behind. I took my inheritance and left him. But even if I could go back, and even if he'd let me be a, sa- a servant in the safety of his home, that's going to be so much better for me. And, and so that's what he said, Hosea, tell him, I, I want to bless them. I don't want them to go through these things. But you pulled away. But here's where the holy love of God steps in, because in spite of the fact that they've, they've shook their fists, they've moved away from him, and then they're blaming him for their problems, God says to, about them, he says, but in spite of that, how can I give up on you? How can I turn you loose? How can I leave you to be ruined like Adma or, or devastated like lustless Zebium? I can't even bear to think such thoughts. My insides churn in protest. And so I'm not going to act on my anger. I'm not going to destroy Ephraim. Because I'm God. I'm not human. And here it is. The Holy One. And I'm here in your very midst. This holy love God has for each one of us. That in spite of the fact that we move away from Him, we shake our fists at Him, we... we, we 
we cry out in anger when things go wrong in our life because of the choices we've made, this holy love, this holy God says, I love you. I love, last week we had Bill Hansberger here, and I really appreciated as he took us to Jeremiah chapter 7, and Jeremiah was also one of those spokespersons that, that God sent this guy named Jeremiah to, to the Israelite people again during another uh, hard time, and, and, he, and he says, man, Jeremiah, tell them, here's what they're doing. They're doing horrific things. And he said, but remember, he said, in that same chapter, in the midst of us, he lists out these things that they've done. And in fact, he told uh, Jeremiah, he says, greet these people as they're on their way to the house of worship. They're people who are pretending, uh, claiming to be God worshipers, and, and, and they're on the way. He says, so meet them at the door and say, wait a minute, here's the stuff you're doing. But in the midst of all that, as, as Bill pointed out, God says, but come back. I love you. I'm just waiting for you to return to me so that I can protect you and I can bless you. And I just love the fact that he he took us there. Here's the question, and and as we've been walking our way through Isaiah 6, and if you want to turn there, that's where we're going to go, you know. Uh, Here's the question. As we study the holiness of God, somewhere along the line, we've got to ask this infamous question now. Hillary made this infamous. what, What difference does it make, you know? Is this about just studying God and, and coming away with a sense of, okay, I got a little bit of an holiness means? Is that what's going on here? Uh, and I'm, not that that isn't important, because it is. But, but is, is this all this is about? And my answer to that is no. That's why we called this series In Awe of the Awesome, because it should cause a response in us where there's this awe. As we start to understand even just a tidbit of, of God and His holiness, it should cause this, this awe response in us. And, and so that's where we're, we're seeing and going and continuing. And, and we're kind of turning the corner in the study now. We've spent the time looking at God and His holiness. Now we're going to start saying, okay, but why, what, should, what should this do to me? What, you know, what's the difference? What difference does it make? And so let me, let me read for us. If you have your Bibles or your devices and you want to go Isaiah 6, let me read what we've looked at so far. And then we'll move on this morning, uh, starting with verse 1. In the year the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, angels, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory, and the sound of their voices... At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. So, so he says, here's what, he, you know, Isaiah, and as we've talked about it, and this is inference on, on uh, my part and others, you know, Isaiah's gone to the temple, and I think what's happening here is, remember, they, they, uh, they just moved into a troubled time as a nation. And here's the thing, they've been now for five decades, over five decades, they have lived under the rule of a very godly ruler, a very godly king. King Uzziah had, was a great king. Uh, it wasn't a perfect, none of us are, but, but he loved God, and, and he wanted to serve God in his position. That was his heart, to do this in a way that pleases God. And, and, and then on top, because of that then, his heart was moved for his people. So when he made decisions, he tried to make decisions that he knew would, 
would be good decisions for his people. And, and in the process, all the, all the, over the years, the Israelites had set up uh, all these uh, uh, false gods, stone gods, all over these mountains, the kind of, the kind of gods that uh, Bill was talking to us about last week. And they were doing all kinds of, of really r- ugly things in, in worship of these false gods. And, and Uzziah had rem- removed these places off the mountain so that the Israelites would start worshiping correctly. So it had been a good time for them. And so after this season of, of really of a good season where a lot has happened to them and that's very, and very positive as a nation, Uzziah dies. And, and they knew, you know that's going to happen. They knew that was going to happen. But the, the heartache is the next king, King Ahaz, is, is the polar opposite of Uzziah. He's out for himself. He's evil. He's ungodly. He marries a woman who's twice as worse. And and so Uzziah's struggling, or, or, or uh, 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 who are we talking about? Isaiah's struggling, <laughs> senior moment. And, and he's gone to the temple now, and I suspect he's gone, you know, to, to talk at God. You ever done that? You know, I, it's kind of the norm sometimes. I'm going to talk at God, you know. I got this list, and, and it may be a list of good things, you know, but we talk at God, and, and Isaiah has gone to the temple to talk at God, and he starts the conversation, and all of a sudden, things get out of hand because God opens a window into heaven and allows Isaiah to see the throne. And not, not God face-to-face, because we've talked about what would have happened. If he had seen him face-to-face, he would not have got to write about the situation. Uh, in fact, there's smoke. We find out that the, the temple is filled with smoke, and that's probably for his protection. And then he talked to us. He, he sees this, and he sees these angels. And, and these angels, they have these six wings, and, and they're, two are covering their eyes, and two are covering their feet. And we, we walked through a while back about what's going on there. As they represent the fact that even though they are more familiar with God than anyone else, their familiarity has not, has not led to a casual attitude about them hasn't led them to be kind of nonchalant about No, in fact, their familiarity with God has caused them to be more aware of His holiness and more careful as they cover their eyes and their feet. And and so we walk through that whole event, and and so Isaiah has watched this all take place. And so now we say, okay, so what happens to Isaiah as he sees it, as, as the room begins to shake, the temple shakes, right down to the foundation stones? How does this impact Isaiah? Because that's the question we're going to ask, and verse 5 tells us. As he sees all of this take place, he says, Woe to me, I, I cried, I am, for I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord God Almighty. So Isaiah sees, you know, we live in a day of celebrity worship. And, and, and it's, you know, people love this chance to get to see a celebrity, uh, you know, where, uh, or, or backstage pass. Man, I, I'm not just going to the concert. I get to go backstage. I get to rub shoulders with the celebrity. And then in the future, I'm going to refer to us as friends because I was backstage. Yeah, a few years ago, uh, my my son and his wife were they lived down in Nashville. We went down to Nashville, Tennessee, and and so one, one day Josh said, "Well, tomorrow morning we're going to go this place, this place to eat breakfast." And it's like, oh, okay. And and he said, uh, "Now we'll have to wait probably about an hour and a half to get in." 
And it's like, ah, okay, this must be a really good breakfast. And, oh, yeah, it's good breakfast. And, but you know what the real thing was? And it's a little teeny cafe. It's, there's nothing to the room. But celebrities show up there once in a while. So the breakfast, IHOP was every bit as good. In fact, I could name some others that you probably wouldn't even meet in. They were good too. But a celebrities show up. And so people stand in line for hours to, to get into that cave at the chance that they're going to get to see a celebrity. And then say, hey, we're friends. <laughs> and yet God comes in, or Isaiah comes in the presence of, you want to talk celebrity. And the moment he does, the impact it has on him is, oh, no. That's what woe is me. Oh, no. What has happened? Why, is I, why am I here? Where's the door? Let me out of here. In fact, it gets worse. He, he actually goes on and says, I, I'm ruined. And what that means is, uh, I think it was R.C. Sproul, the, 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 the men are studying on Wednesday nights, says he actually pronounces a curse on himself. He actually says, it, this in, is I have suddenly find myself in the presence of a glimpse of the holiness of God. S- someone put me out of my misery. Someone kill me. I, 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 shouldn't, I should never be able to allow to walk out of this room. I'm done. I'm done. I'm ruined. Finish me off. Put me out of my misery. And, you know, so I hear that, and I think, okay, wow, you know. Now, he never expected. He, when he went into the temple that day to uh, speak at God, he never expected to have this experience. But, but, and this is common. You know, we talked about this. You, there are several events in Scripture where individuals come into the presence of God and they all have the same impact. They, they suddenly are beside themselves. They, they fall on their faces, and it happens over and over again. So this is a common thing. And you've got to say, okay, so what's causing this? And, and, in, and in Isaiah's case, you're going to say, okay, man, he, he's saying, I, somebody kill me off. I need, I need to die because I have suddenly been seeing the holiness of God. And so you've got to look at Isaiah and you say, Wow, this guy must have this must he must have a bad history. There's some things in, in his life that uh suddenly uh you know maybe maybe he's a serial killer. And so they caught him. And so he's saying, you know, it's done. They the words out. They found the bodies. I'm over with it. Or, or maybe his issue is he's lived such a a life of immorality and and it suddenly it's the 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 information he's been exposed and and he's recognizing not only what it's done to him, but he's recognizing all the baggage, all the, all the individuals who he's impacted. Or, or maybe he's a child abuser. Something must be terribly wrong with this man that his response that's being in, in the presence of the Holy God is, kill me now. I, I curse myself. <laughs> and then he goes on with this. For I'm a man of unclean lips. Wow. He must have some really vulgar language. 
you know. I had, a, I had a friend years ago, God gave me the opportunity to introduce to him and, and, and uh, to his son and, the, and his love. And, and uh, Mike, Mike was, uh, is, you know, I was going to say he was a Marine. You're always a Marine. I have a son-in-law who's a Marine. But, but um, you know, Mike, Mike, Mike's language was really quite interesting. Uh, you know, you're, you're, and, and uh, his context was, that's just the way that was life. And so when he spoke, it was always kind of, you kind of filtered it out to figure out what he was actually saying in between all the other words. And, and so then Mike came into a relationship with God. He understood the love of God, and, and <clears throat> it bothered him. But, but you know, I'd been, he had been talking that way since he was a child, and, and so it, it was a process. But God, you know, began to actually kind of work on it. I remember one time taking him with me to, to be with a, a bunch of other Christians that they'd never met Mike before. And, and I don't remember exactly how, but, you know, as Mike's, as I, do so Mike goes, how the blankety blank are you? And it's like, okay, yeah. And so, you know, and I remember one of the guys even pulled me aside and saying, uh, you sure this guy knows the Lord? And, and you know, I, I think that's, you know, that would be funny if it, if it wasn't so unfunny. And in fact, I, I was thinking, you should have heard him two months ago. God's doing some, God's doing some wonderful things in his life. Uh, you know, so, so maybe, uh, maybe that's Isaiah. Isaiah's saying, oh, man, phew. You got to hear me. I make sailors blush when I when I talk. Uh, maybe that's his issue. Realizes, boy, my language. Yeah. The only problem with that is that word unclean means foul in a religious sense. You know what he's saying is, as as he comes into the presence and suddenly gets a glimpse of holy, holy, holy God. It suddenly dawns on him that at times he's spoken incorrectly about God. He's supposed to be God's spokesman. At times he's taken some liberties, maybe, you know. Maybe there are a few times where he kind of thought that people should do something and God really hadn't told him to say anything, but, you know, I'm God's spokesman. So, so he went ahead and said it anyway. Or, or, or maybe there's some information, you know. Pastors, we can, you know, let's lay the guilt trip on. So, Although God doesn't really hit this issue, I'm going to hit it because uh, I think this. And, and all of a sudden it dawns him that, that, that as God's spokesperson, I have at times said things <coughs> that weren't entirely correct about God. And we're looking at that and thinking, yeah, well, okay, so, so what? And Isaiah, moments before, probably would have had that exact same attitude except now he's been in the presence of God's holiness, and it's killing him. I'm ruined. How could I have ever spoken in such a nonchalant way about things that I really didn't understand? i got to tell you, this is a tough passage for a pastor. Because I know there are times... When I haven't done careful enough study, and I thought I understood something, and I threw it out, and it's like, yes, yeah, it's no big deal. And it's a huge deal. It's such a huge deal that in the whole, if I was in the, in the, before the holy God, I would be just like Isaiah. I would say, put me out of my misery. I'm done. I'm destroyed. I don't deserve to even be on this planet, let alone speak for God. What difference does it make when we start to get a 
perspective, just a little perspective of God's holiness, it starts to change everything. And here's what the interesting part is. Right when Isaiah says, and comes to terms with even the fact that he can't even speak correctly about God, he, and that is such a huge thing when you're talking about God's holiness, right at that moment when he says, I'm done, I'm ruined, put me out of my ministry. And God says, no, now you're ready. Now you're ready. Now I can use you. That's a big deal. I know some of you. And I know me. And I've heard some of you say, you you just don't know. I shouldn't. No, I can't do that. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've said. You know what my life's been like. You don't know about the decisions I've made. Yeah, no. God could never, ever take this and do something with it. Because I'm a ruined person. I'm damaged goods. Right when we get there, God says, no. Now you're ready. Now you're ready. Because I can use the person who comes to me with open hands and says, God, you know all that stuff. All the stuff that should never even allow me to be in your presence, let alone become part of your family. You know the junk. And if you can do something with this, then I'm yours. Next week's message, we're going to go on because that's exactly what he does to Isaiah. But for this morning, let's end with you and me. First of all, let me talk to you because you may not even be in a relationship with God. And, and here's, I want you to hear God's heart for you. He loves you, and I don't care. He knows everything about you there is to know. He, he knows more than you actually know, to tell you the truth. And what he tells you in the midst of all that is, right where you are, right as you are, I want you to know that I love you. And right now, our relationship is broken. And i got to be honest with you, it's broken because of our sin. We make decisions that are contrary to the will of God. And because God is holy, he cannot be associated with that. He can't have relationship with that. And, and so what he says is, but here's what I've done. I've taken your unholiness on me. I've taken your sin. And, and I've made the payment for it so that I can offer you the gift of forgiveness. And so if you'll accept that forgiveness I'm offering, I will adopt you as one of my children. And you know what? The things that need to, to happen in your life that right now you're saying, well, I can't do this until I can't be in with relationship with God until I straighten. Now, don't worry about that. We'll work on that together. It'll be a step at a time. Just accept my gift of forgiveness and become a part of my family. That's God's heart for you if you don't know him.
right now. He loves you. And you know, it's not some magic formula prayer. It's just basically a conversation with God that says, yep, I know, God, I know that I've done things that are contrary to your will for me. I understand that you're offering to forgive me as a gift, and so I accept that gift. And Lord, what do we do next? Well, you know, some of you, a lot of you are believers, maybe everyone in this room, that doesn't end the, path, the struggle, does it? And so maybe you're in a position right now, kind of like the Israelites, where you're saying, ah, my life has got so screwed up. I'm ruined. And God's word to you is, no, you're ready. I love you. Come back. Come back. I want to bless you. I want to protect you. Come back to me. Let's pray. Just a glimpse, just a taste of your holiness. And Isaiah was totally undone was ready to curse himself, was ready to declare it was over, that there was nothing useful about him, no reason to go on, to even be on the planet anymore. And then in that moment you said, you're not ruined, you're ready. And Father, maybe that's exactly where some of the hearts are this morning. They came in here thinking, I'm ruined. I pray that they're walking out with that hope of who you are as God, that your love is a holy love. And that your heart for them is to bless, <coughs> to protect, to spend eternity with them. Thank you for this tremendous message of hope in the midst of a discussion of your holiness. Now, as we move into this week, Let these words, this truth, begin to impact us in our daily life, in our daily thinking, in our conversations, in our reactions. Don't let it fade away as the day progresses. I pray these things in your son's name.